I'm Dana Lloyd. Welcome to Soul Sister Conversations, the podcast, where you will be inspired and empowered to connect more deeply with your authentic self as we explore topics of personal development, leadership, and spirituality. Your journey to your most authentic self starts right now. Creating a world where people experience happy relationships is the business tagline of my guest this week, Maureen Craig McIntosh, and happy relationships is what we explore in this episode. Maureen has deep roots in helping people. As a relationship coach, she shares her insight on the premise of choice theory. She breaks down our five basic needs, the seven deadly habits, and the seven caring habits that have impact on how we show up in our relationships in our lives and workplaces. This episode is about empowerment through a mind shift. Welcome Maureen Craig McIntosh to Soul Sister Conversations. Good morning, Dana. How are you? I'm wonderful, thank you. You know, I was thinking back to when I originally met you, and I think it might have been actually in Toastmasters, like many moons ago, but we would have only met briefly, like at uh, competitions and things like that. And then I got to know you a, a little bit better when we were helping to get the coaching federation off the ground in our province. So I'm even more delighted to have this conversation today because I know you are a wealth of information and you have a deep background in helping people, having been a registered nurse and a licensed counseling therapist and now an executive and personal coach, as well as being well-versed in the concept of choice theory, which is what I want to gain a deeper understanding of today. So you call yourself a relationship coach, and you invite people to get real. What do you mean by that? Well, it's it's interesting that, that you bring that up, because I have that tagline, get real with Grammy Mo for a couple of reasons. Uh, I am a grandmother and proud of it. But get real to me is working with someone and helping them find their innermost beauty mm. or their innermost resources. So and to do that, you have to be real. Mm. We can't be fluffy. We can't cover things up. You know, we need to but we need to be real in a gentle way. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So can you say more about that real in a gentle way. Well, I mean, the way we communicate is is really, I guess, if I launch right into the into the choice theory, it, originally when I learned these ideas from Dr. Glasser, he was talking about control theory, which led him eventually to write choice theory for for a specific reason. Control theory sounded too much like control, mm. and he he coined the phrase external control and external control psychology, which is when we're trying to control everything and everyone around us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That doesn't happen, Maureen, does it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can't live in a world without it, really. Mm -hmm. But there are places in our life where we really need to understand how much, how powerful we really are and how much control or how much choice we really have ourselves. Mm. But in these times, it's really interesting because we need external control right now. If we're going to, and, and I hate to bring this up in a sense, but if we're going to master this COVID-19 thing, we need some external control measures in place mm. to keep us safe. So there is a place for it, if you understand. Yeah. But in relationship, you know, um, it, when somebody is trying to control another person and don't get me wrong, we're all controlling all the time to get what we want. <laughs> it's true. It mostly in our ego mm-hmm. trying to mostly. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. not all the time, but, but that we're human. Yeah. Well, when I say that, um, it, it's like our, we're like a system. Okay. So whatever we do is purposeful, right? Mm. So, we're purposely doing some like this morning we purposely set up this call because we had some things that we wanted to share with each other mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. we had a picture in our head of how we maybe want that to go mm-hmm. or maybe not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're willing to play so how then yeah. when we, we get real how does getting real serve us as people i think um 
That's a that's a that's a good question, Dana. Because if you're not real with yourself, hmm. then you're not living your true, authentic life. Hmm. And we do a lot of things sometimes just because the thought of being uncomfortable or pushing through a change, let's say, mm. it, the fear of it is just too great. And yet, that's where significant growth takes place. Mm. And if we can't be real with ourselves, we're really not going to grow to our full potential, I don't think. No, I agree. I think, and so how then does this relate to choice theory? Because th- choice theory then is this premise that every individual has the power to control themselves and limited power to control others. Right? Uh, uh, I... Well, let me maybe maybe it's best if I just explain it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so what is choice theory? Choice theory is a theory that was developed by Dr. William Glasser, a world-renowned psychiatrist that believed in working with people. He wasn't huge on medication, mm. but he was huge on helping people. So he needed to develop a theory that explained how and why his reality therapy was effective. And reality therapy is a method of communication that he developed in working with his clients. So he wanted to figure out why what he was doing was helping people. So he developed this thing called choice theory. And choice theory to me is the theory of personal empowerment. Mm. What it does basically it's, it's about human behavior, how and why we do what we do. So all behavior is purposeful. There's a purpose for the behavior. And we are constantly trying to meet our basic needs or get pictures that we have in our heads. So choice theory basic premise is this. We are driven to satisfy five basic needs. The need to survive, which is food, water, air, reproduction. Okay. Without Mm -hmm. it, we wouldn't exist as a society. Right. Then the need for love and belonging, a sense that we belong somewhere. People satisfy that in many different ways. We do it in groups or we do it one-on-one with significant others. Um, Just being out in the world, love and belonging is is a huge need. The need for power a sense that we have control of our own lives minimally. Um, And power can be kind of destructive. You know, there's three forms of power from my perspective. There's power over where we try to control another person. There's power with where two people understand this need for power. And then there's personal power, power from within. Mm. And so Love and belonging and power are two of the most difficult needs to meet because they involve other people. Mm. Then we have the need for freedom, freedom to be able to choose to do something, freedom to be not to do something. Um, and then the need for fun. Mm. Okay. fun. Learning something new satisfies that need for fun. And, you know, I was 40 years old before I realized that, really, mm. that learning something new is actually fun. Mm. so those are the five basic needs that we're driven to satisfy but we don't just say oh i'm feeling lonely you know if you're feeling lonely dana what do you do call a friend yeah exactly you have a picture in your head of someone you can call Mm. okay so we don't say i'm feeling lonely i'm gonna go search for love (laughs) 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 you have a picture in your head of someone you can call and maybe have a conversation with connect with right you know go go out and have a lunch with or what have you so these pictures that we get in our head we call it the quality world and that's where we put from the time we're born i'm backing up a little bit from the time we're born We're born knowing two things, what feels good and what doesn't feel good. Mm. Um, So we start developing right from the time we're born pictures of people, places and things and even strong values that those things that are important to us. And we store them in a storage area in our brain that we actually call the quality world. So we have these pictures in our quality world. And if we look at the experience that we're experiencing in our province right now, 
our basic needs, our quality world pictures are all in flux. Mm. Because right now we're focused mainly on survival. Mm. Right? Yes. So we need to meet that need to survive uh, almost first. You know, mm. to, however, I think meeting the other needs, if we can meet them along with it, then our need to survive may come along as well. So, but we have these pictures in our head. So those pictures are very important. How they get in there is really important too, because once we put a picture in our head, it's pretty hard to take it out. So I'm thinking like the addict, Mm -hmm. okay, who puts drugs into their quality world. Really, really difficult to take it out. You put your significant other in your quality world. You know, well, if over time, if that significant other isn't so significant anymore, we want to snap them out of that quality world, but it's not that easy. Mm. You know, there's a whole lot of factors. So, and then let's do something simple like a, a luscious dessert. You know, you have this mm-hmm. dessert somewhere and you think, oh, it's the best thing ever. Maybe it's a, I don't know, a molten chocolate or something if you like chocolate. Um, and then you go and you order it in another restaurant, it doesn't taste the same at all. You know, so you have this picture of what it is that you really want. So we're always we're always working to to match those pictures. Mm. And so um, are these five basic needs something that Dr. Glasser said we mu- must all have met? Is this part of the choice theory or the reality therapy? It's, yeah, it's 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 we're always driven to satisfy those five needs. And okay? what happens it, if we one of those don't get met? If one of those don't get met, then we're frustrated. Right. Okay. Then we start to behave. To or get misbehave. <laughs> or misbehave. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. To, to get Depending, some control or to get. To get what fun, we want. Whatever. Okay. Okay. We have. Okay. We take information in through our five senses. Mm-hmm. We attach a value to it, either positive, negative, or neutral. If it's extremely positive, we plant it into our quality world. Now, we're behaving to get what we want. So if we perceive what we have, because we have a perceived world, if we perceive what we have is different than what we want, then we get out of balance. Our scales tip, so to speak. And it's felt as an urge to do something. Okay, so right now, we have 16 days free of COVID in our province, right? Yes. It, that's a match. But yesterday when we heard that there was somebody that passed through an airport somewhere that tested positive, the scales tip a little bit. Mm. And it's felt as an urge to, oh, be a little more vig- vig- vigilant, you know. Right. Stay safe. Right? Yeah. So we're going and we're trying to find the behavior that will work for us. And our brain is extremely creative. Mm. And we can, we can, we have behaviors that we've stored that have worked for us over and over, but we also have the capacity to create new behaviors. And we're seeing how creative people are right now Mm. in the midst of every, of the pandemic that's happening. So we, we become extremely creative and we find behaviors that will shock people, you know, will shock you too, but also uh, very effective behaviors. And But all of our behavior uh, has four parts to it. So this is key. This is where Dr. Glasser set himself apart in the world. All behavior has four components to it, and we call it total behavior. It has how you feel about something, what's going on physically in your body, your thoughts, and your actions. And you can't help how you feel. And you can't help what's going on physically in your body at any given time. Mm. But you do have more control over your thoughts and you do have control over what you do. And so if we can change what we're thinking and what we're doing, we can affect what's going on physically and emotionally. Mm. And so it's really important to, to understand just how much power we have. Because I don't know if you've heard the expression spinning your wheels, like I'm stuck in the sand. Yes. I'm spinning my wheels. Well, that's a phrase that is coined to indicate that we're stuck on our feelings and our physiology. Mm. And all you're doing is spinning and you're emotional. 
Right. You know, yeah. and if we can train ourselves to become more aware, okay, what am I thinking right now? Is it real? Is it mine? Does it belong to me? Right. Then we can do something different. So these or are think- the, the, the these five basic needs, and then we have these four components of behavior. So would you call that like the, the foundation of choice theory? These are the things that are at play. Yeah, the foundation is, is this. We have... We have the quality, we have the five basic needs, quality world, behavior system, and total behavior. Mm. Yeah. And then yeah. if someone was having a situation, so if someone came to you with a troubling situation, and, and then how, how would you use, a, a, it, is choice theory a model, like a step-by-step process that you take people through to... No, or no, no. <laughs> educate choice theory. Choice, <laughs> choice theory is the understanding of how and why we do what we do. Okay. So as a helper of people, anybody can learn choice theory. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's no prerequisites for learning choice theory. Anybody can learn it. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it's an understanding of human behavior. So as an interventionist or as somebody that works with people, I understand that this is how and why we do what we do. The process we use is something called reality therapy. Okay. Okay. Now, Dr. Glasser was teaching us, you know, counseling with choice theory, teaching with choice theory, helping with choice theory, leading with choice theory, because we understand it. But the process that we use is not linear. There's no step-by-step process because I think if you get step-by-step, then you're not really able to be real with people. Mm. Uh, the, for, for me, the, the biggest premise is listening. Okay. And let, let the person in front of you lead the conversation. But we do want to know certain things. We want to have a relationship with that person. We want to know what's going on in their quality world. We want to know how they're meeting their needs in the real world. We want to know what they've been doing to get what they want and what picture they have of their future and this kind of thing. And then we're going to help them evaluate what they're doing to get it, whether it's effective or not, and maybe help come up with a new plan. Mm. But we're going to do that in a process that could take quite a while. So is this um, more like, I guess it's a therapy or a type of therapy? It it could be, but it's also a way to manage. Right. To manage people, you know, like if we, it's, it's, it's kindness, Dana. Mm. It's, it's a way of being kind and purposeful with what you're doing. Mm. So if, for instance, Dr. Glasser taught us the deadly and caring habits. Okay. Mm -hmm. There are, there are seven habits that destroy relationships. And these are going to sound very familiar because they're going on every day. Okay, I'm all ears. (laughs) Okay, here we go. The seven deadly habits. Blaming. Right. Complaining. Threatening. Criticizing. Punishing. Nagging. Rewarding in an attempt to control. Mm -hmm. Okay. If we're using those habits on a daily basis, on an ongoing basis... What do you think the relationship's going to look like? Not good. Not good. And Not yet good. we continue to do it. Yes. Okay? There, there are habits, if we could just switch them to the caring habits and know that we have the choice to do that. Very often if one person gets away from the deadly habits and goes into the caring habits, everything will shift. Not always. It's better if two people choose the caring habits. Right. Um, and that's why, you know, I, I have little cards that people can get to stick on their fridge with the habits on. <laughs> Reminders. So can yeah. you outline some of those caring habits? What are the behaviors we want to switch to? Okay. Respecting, number one. Mm. Okay. Trusting. Okay. Encouraging. Supporting listening, Mm. (laughs) accepting, and negotiating differences. Mm. And so rather than pointing the finger, let's do this in a respectful way. 
I'm trusting that you don't want to hurt me. So let's figure this out. Right. Let's listen to what the other person's saying. You know, one of the things is when we take information into our five senses and we attach a value to it, we take it into our what we call our perceived world. Here's where the trouble starts. Everything we've learned from the time we were born is stored in our perceived world. So when we take new information in or we take information in, period, we automatically attach our perspective to it based on what we've learned from the time we were born. Right. Now, every single person does this, and there are no two people on this earth that have exactly the same perspective. Right. And yet, we carry on, particularly in couple relationships, we carry on as if the other person understands perfectly what we meant mm. without yes. checking. Yes. Our perspective. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> it is true. Okay, so that's part of what I mean by being real. Yes. You know, and you have to have a lot I of self-awareness, though. This is how I felt. Help me. Mm. Help yeah. me understand what you're trying to say. <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> <laughs> and and th this is a process, obviously. Yes. You know, that people because I'm looking at these seven deadly deadly habits and just you saying them out loud, I feel yucky. Like all those words like blaming and complaining and nagging. And yeah. and you much rather live in a world where there's respect and trust and encouraging and listening. I feel like ah, oh, that can breathe lightly over here. So And you know, Dana, I want to point out that in this province in these last several weeks we've seen a lot of the caring habits oh yes visibly a lot mm. you know and it, as much as we're we're held back and and being told to stay put you know isolate ourselves or whatever keep our distance we're doing it respectfully for the most part yes mm. you know it's uh, it's kind of a good feeling mm. if we can just keep it going yeah is true. So when we have someone, you have someone come to you who's having troubling situations and they're likely in these seven dead, deadly habits, you know, mm -hmm. trying to exert control over other people in an attempt to get control of their own lives. Mm -hmm. What must happen? It, it's a mind shift Absolutely. to move to this. How, how, and I, it feels like a big question to ask, but how, how do you get people to shift their mindset if we could get more people <laughs> over to those caring habits? Like, I even think of my own process of enlightenment, of becoming a better person, of just, you know, just, um, just understanding. You know, it takes time. And for someone who has been very entrenched in some of these very bad behaviors, maybe because of their background for whatever reason, you know, what? how do we gently begin to walk them toward things that work for them? Well, and I think, I think that's where spending time together and learning the ideas. Mm. Um, I very much want to teach these ideas to my clients if they're open to it. Yes. Yes. Okay. It, it feels um, like it's an education. It is. It is. But, you know, we're, we believe that we can control the world because that's how we're born. <laughs> yes. We're born, yeah. we cry, and some warm, fuzzy person comes and picks us up. Mm. And it feels good. So we start controlling to get what we want, right? Yes. And so it's kind of a natural way to be in the world. And depending on how we grow up or what we learn you know, in school or whatever, you know, we don't sometimes, I think we're getting better at it, learning about, you know, how we are in control mm. and how we can take control. But so often we don't. And it is a mind shift. You're absolutely right. Um, when I ask somebody whose behavior can you control? You're asking me? <laughs> no. Oh. Well, you can answer it if you want. But yeah, no one is what I've learned. <laughs> exactly. It takes a while to learn that. Not that I know? haven't tried, Maureen. <laughs> I spent a very long time doing it, Dana, thinking I could, you know. Sure. You cannot. No. You know, you cannot control another person. So when we ask that question, whose behavior can you control, it really takes some thinking and some realization that, Wow, I really can't. So what can I do? Right. You know? Yeah. And there are a lot of things that are beyond our control that we have no control over. Yeah. And so it's 
it's about starting to focus on what you can control. Mm. And that's a and great you, question, actually, for people, if they're hearing this and let that land with people is what can I control, right? Exactly. You know, you can control your emotions, you can control how you respond, you can control your But it doesn't approach. feel like you can, Dana. No, it doesn't at the time, because I think, you don't. you think it's, it's because we're very practiced at at the seven deadly habits. <laughs> like, <laughs> very practical. You know, it's very, very easy practiced. to blame versus, you know, take control of it. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, and I think for some people, over the years, I did a lot of work. I worked with, uh, you know, people in abusive relationships, mm. and, I, and I was a member of the Coalition Against Abuse in Relationships and stuff like that. And And, you know, those habits were you know, entrenched in our yeah. life. But mm-hmm. we sometimes grow up in households where that's the norm. Yes. And so it's all we know. For sure. You know, and when we learn that there's another way, I think we always have a picture in our head, at least I did. I always had a picture in my head of the beautiful, loving relationship that I'd like to have. Mm. But it was hard to believe that it was possible to have. You know, mm. you believe, when 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 there's a lot of blaming, complaining, threatening, punishing, criticizing, when that's going on, it's hard to believe that the other's possible. Right. And so that's where the discomfort comes in. It's when you decide, when you make that mind shift and say, okay, I'm going to be the person I want to be, and I'm going to practice only the caring habits. Mm. Will you slip? Yeah, you yeah. will. Will you go backwards? Yeah, you will. But for the most part, if you focus on practicing the caring habits all the time, you're going to start to feel better mm. and stronger and feel like the person you want to be. Right. And I feel like if you even chose one of them to begin with, because like anything, if you try to take on seven new things, you, you know, you're oh, definitely yeah. going to drop them all. But, exactly. you know, I, and I don't know about your experience, but I know when I became a coach, actually that, that uh, practice of listening to other people Mm-hmm. Um, was a game changer, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think about, you know, it costs you nothing, uh, to listen. It costs you nothing. Uh, you know, you don't have to give up anything if you just to be an encourager in someone's life. Um, That's right. but I see, you know, what I see with people who are very entrenched in some of the deadly habits. So for example, even encouraging, um, people are not practiced at encouraging. It's like they feel dumb or silly to encourage someone or to say, Hey, you did a good job on that. Um, yeah. you know, how, how do we begin to overcome those simple things of encouragement, um, and shifting to that space? Well, I think, I think it's important to ask people to evaluate for themselves. Do they like it when somebody encourages them? Mm. You know, how did you get, I mean, I wouldn't be where I am today, Dana, if I didn't have a lot of encouragement Mm. from mentors and significant people in my life over the years. Yes. You know, and if you want your kids to be successful, encourage them, Mm. you know. Yeah. And trust is another big one, Mm. you know. If your trust is betrayed once, then are you going to be distrustful for the rest of your life? Mm. Or are you going to choose to trust until you have reason not to? So true. You know, and listening, you brought up listening and listening is huge because we all think we listen. But do we really? <laughs> do we really? Yes. Do we listen to, to yes, but yes, but yes, but yeah. I, 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 you know, mm-hmm. do we listen to respond or do we listen to hear? Mm. Right. You know, so it's really uh, when you learn these ideas and you understand these ideas yeah. again it's very personally empowering it is yeah and i think that's the key word is very empowering and just yes. to circle back to uh the listening piece for example when i when i think about developing new habits so because you know you know the experience of becoming a coach once you become a coach and it's not just learning the principles of how to be one it's who you become in order to be a good coach is that you can't not be anything else. So when you practice listening, um, it becomes a very powerful tool because you realize you don't have to have all the answers. I actually can on earth, just, I guess, like in this conversation, ask questions. I don't have to be the resident expert. You get to be it, Maureen. And, um, but, but we, if we start to employ that in our relationships, you know, those things are game changers. But I think about one, uh, you maybe you might have had this because you were a counselor, but when I was first learning to be a coach, it was very difficult to be the person who asked the question 
and not want to jump in and save the person who's answering the question. <laughs> exactly. You know, like you, and I realized I was practiced at doing that. And I, and now that I look around, I see many other people doing the same thing. And it's not like a blame or fault thing, but it's what we've learned or practiced over the years. But once you learn to step back and become a true listener, and to your point, Maureen, are we actually listening? Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly, Dana, because, you know, um, wanting to jump in and help is logical. When you have experience right. and somebody has just brought something up that you have experience in, it's real easy to give them that. Mm-hmm. Or to you say know, me too and then steal it and start running with the story. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Let them find out for themselves Yes. what you know, you know. And and there are times, of course, you want to help people sure. and give them information. They need to be open to it, and that, that that's where respect comes in. Yes, yeah. You know, you you need to respect and give them time. You know, you need to respect and say, "Can I share with you?" That mm. kind of thing. So, mm. can, can yeah, you... coaching is. You're absolutely right. I mean, coaching, um, coaching is about helping people find their own inner resources. Right. Pure and simple. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about coaching too. Yeah. And this just fits so beautifully with it. So. Yes, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can you uh, share either sort of generally or specifically some of the outcomes or what you've noticed in people over the years who've decided to apply choice theory to, you know, get that understanding of, <laughs> of empowerment, what has happened in their lives? You know, Dana, I learned these ideas probably, I started out in 19, I hate to say it, 1986 with these ideas. Mm-hmm. So over the years, I've seen a lot of people grow and develop. Mm. I've seen teenagers who were having difficulty in school with their teachers, um, being sexually active, getting into the drug world. I've seen them learn these ideas, just the basic concept of that total behavior and understanding that they can make different choices, they can think differently and do differently, and then begin to influence how they're perceived by their teachers, their parents, etc. I've watched them grow and develop and pull themselves out of maybe some very destructive situations over the years. But then in working with adults um, and Again, with parents, I taught these ideas when I, when I worked in sexual health. I helped parents understand that, like it or not, we're still going to have the same urges and, you know, the, the feelings that go along with sex and sexuality. And where do we want the youth to be impacted in their thinking and their doing? So we want them to have the skills to be able to handle those emotions and those feelings. So... I help parents understand the importance of having some good quality sexual education, let's say. Mm -hmm. And then with women and men both learning these ideas, you're absolutely right. It's a game changer in relationships. If I can have two people together working together on their relationship and they choose to refrain from the deadly habits and focus on the caring habits, their relationship will grow like crazy. And what I've seen happen is sometimes one will use the caring habits and the other one continues with the deadly habits, and that's where the relationship ends. Mm. Um, So, you know, but I've seen, I'm thinking of, of a person that I worked with recently who was in a very destructive relationship. This person loved the individual they were with, had a hard time separating that strong bond, that chemistry, that feeling of that good feeling of love. Cause when things were good, they were really, really good. Mm. Um, and then, you know, when the, when the rage hit or the outburst hit, it didn't feel so good, but <coughs> excuse me. Once this person learned these ideas, they began to realize that, Hey, you know, I'm heading down a not very good path here. I'm going to make some changes. Well, this person actually got out of that relationship, changed her whole life at work. Her self-esteem was suffering big time. She became empowered mm-hmm. to do what she loves, and she continues to be empowered, moved forward in her workplace, got promoted, 
this new relationship is really living the life she wants right now. I'm getting goosebumps as you say that. Yeah. <laughs> because I think that's very empowering when people take, that's where the control is, is that you can make choices in your life when you realize, I think when you're practicing these caring habits, right? And then it mm -hmm. the divide either becomes deeper in the relationship or you're influencing the other person to show up differently. I think that's the other piece of it, right? That when exactly. you start acting like this, it, 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 you know, it's kind of like you can't have an argument with someone who, you know, doesn't want to argue if they're practicing these caring habits. And I just think the divide becomes really wide and obvious and you have a choice to make. That's right. Hmm. That's right. It's, you know, and it's, it's, it sounds very simple when we talk about sure. it, but it yeah. really is deep conversations and yes. good conversations, good oh. quality conversations. High quality. What, what, yeah. what are some obstacles to people moving to this space of empowerment? I think it depends where they've been. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Say more about and, that. <laughs> and where they want to go. You know, mm. I think if they've always been put down, let's say, um, always been blamed or criticized, criticized criticism is deadly. Uh, you yes. know, and if people have lived with criticism all their lives, it's pretty hard to feel empowered. Yeah. It's pretty it's pretty hard to see the good in you. And then you know, there's there's something that I that I like to bring up, and it just occurred to me right now. So I'm going to talk about it. Sure. It's it's this this fear of being selfish. Mm. Okay, growing up, oftentimes we're taught don't be selfish. You know, don't mm -hmm. be selfish. Share your toys. Give him some of that. Give her some of that. Don't be selfish. Give, give, give. Which okay, but then we we spend a certain part of our life giving to prove that we're not selfish so we give 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 until we become selfless mm. okay and we have nothing left to give it's called burnout yes so i'm here to say that what we need is to become self-full mm. we need to fill ourselves up so we can continue to give and drop the word selfish I love that. That's a soul sister conversations uh, soundbite. We need to become yeah. self full. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Great concept. Then we can then we can become empowered. And empowerment is about being able to do the things you want to do and being able to be confident enough that you're going to push through that that difficult situation because you know that's where growth takes place. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And is I love that concept of becoming self-full. If someone's listening to this and they're they know that they just give, 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 and something's got to change, and to to move more to that space where they fill themselves up, um, what do you suggest that people can begin with to move to that space that makes it an easy point of entry, so they don't feel selfish? I think one of the things that that you can do is is just find. A space for yourself. Mm. Find 20 minutes. Go listen to one of Dana's podcasts, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> um, draw a bath. I've had many people say it. The only place I can get privacy is in my bathtub. Yes. <laughs> and lock the bathroom A door. lot of moms would attest to that. And even then, they <laughs> yeah. probably have little hands. And I have a dog. He likes to put his, his paws under the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but find so space, happens, yeah. you know. So mm -hmm. I think I think that we have to give ourselves permission to take the time. And that's difficult right. for a lot of people. Yeah. And that comes down to control. Mm. Yeah. Because you think you have to control every minute of your day, and you don't. You need to take some self-time and fill yourself up. The world will not fall away without you. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we believe that it will? Right. It feels like, you know, we get caught up in this little cycle of, of wanting we to control become, everything. We become master managers mm. as women. Yeah. As women, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Mm. And men too, you know, yeah. I've seen a lot of men with stress and I've, I've helped people transfer from sort of micromanaging to macromanaging by learning to trust. Okay. Right. And respect and encourage and support because you know, and it comes out of a fear of not being able to 
a, a fear of not being able to trust that the person you are, that's working for you is going to do the job right. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's so many, there's so much to think about with these ideas. Yeah, there are. And I know one of the things that um, this is can also be applied to the workplace. And you, you've done a lot of work because you had a counseling practice for years and you said you've done a lot of, you worked in a lot of many EAP programs and that you saw a pattern and it was the unhealthy workplace relationships leading to stress leave. And you say that research showed that when people left their jobs, most of the time it was because of a difficult relationship within an organization. That's and it. so if we have leaders listening, um, people who have to lead people, how can they use choice theory to positively impact, you know, leadership in their organizations? Yeah, I think I think it's a combination. Um, in in what we teach, we teach a process called lead management. Mm-hmm. So lead management is about understanding choice theory, which is again the understanding of human behavior. Mm. And when you're lead managing, you want to help people know their job first. So you're going to show them how to do it. You're not just going to tell them how to do it. Mm. You know what I mean? You're going to be involved with them. You're going to help them uh, meet their needs in the workplace. So yeah, work's got to be a little bit of fun. You've got, (laughs) you got to be able to get along with the people that you're working with. Um, And if you can create this kind of environment People will want to work there, Mm. you know, and we know lots of places where people love working because it is so much fun and they are respected and listened to um, and encouraged to give their ideas. Because if managers could learn to ask people what they're thinking in the moment or if they have an idea, that might, you know, it might surpass their wildest dreams. (laughs) And it feels like a lot of that could happen just by employing those caring habits that you outlined. You know, if if we now take those as a little filter and apply those in a workplace, think they'll say them again, respecting, trusting. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you're encouraged in your workplace where you support people, where you're a leader who actually listens, like you said, that you're not actually just telling people that you're saying, well, what is it that you need or what is it that you're having difficulty with? Um, Accepting. Accepting negotiating so, differences. Yeah, negotiating yeah. differences. And I think that's a tough one. Yeah, it really, it, and again, it comes back, if you look at the basic needs, it comes back to that need for power and control, right? Mm, right. And so how do we meet that? Like, you have a business, you own your business, that's the executive. And the executive is probably distanced from that somewhere. You know, Mm. but the manager, which is the middle person, the one that interacts with people, they're there to manage the system, so to speak. Mm. You know, managing people is very different than than managing the job. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Leading people, right? Like being, you know, they'd say a true leader. What does that look like? How do you empower those people? Exactly. Mm. Exactly. So, you know, we put people who are experts in the job, in the work that they do, put them into managing and expect them to be able to be a good manager without giving them the skills they need to manage others, like the understanding of behavior and the caring habits and how to get people to enjoy the workplace so that they want to do quality work for you. Right. You know, and, and that is still is such a process, right? It's leadership development, it's personal development. You know, it doesn't Mm -hmm. happen in a day. It's, it's, it's a process where you're uncovering those layers, finding new tools. Like I, maybe someone just hearing those caring habits today and writing them down just as a reminder, right? On Monday, I'm going to, I'm going to try to listen more this week. Cause like, like you said, we'll falter, you know, we're human. Mm-hmm. That we can easily fall back on on practiced bad habits, and uh, sometimes it's easier just to tell people to do something versus to show them. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe it's just take that time, ba- you know, step back and just um, find a new approach this week. So um, yeah, I th- and it has so much to do with self awareness um, of the individual. And that's what I love about it. It helps us become more aware. Mm. Once we understand the feeling, physiology, thinking, and acting we can check in with ourselves quite easily 
Mm. Okay, what's going on here? What am I thinking right now? And what am I doing? Mm. Is it helpful? Is it effective? Mm. You know, and and I think that requires a lot of presence on the behalf of a leader or anybody employing this. That's, when we talk, when we talk about being, you know, a person who, uh, you know, authenticity, um, growing into ourselves, into our human potential, you know, that space of presence where we actually see what's going on, we are conscious of our behaviors and the impact um, that we're having on other people. Exactly. Yeah. Especially leaders in yeah. the workplace. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's pretty amazing, you know, in the late nineties, we had a school here in Moncton and all the teachers were trained and it eventually became a glasser quality school. Oh, really? And they used all these ideas in the school at the time. And what they found was kids loved coming to school the parents wanted to learn more about what they were doing, and the test scores started to go up. Imagine that. Yeah, right? and it was it was a joyful place to be. You could yes. walk into that school and hear the laughter in the corridors. It was really quite a wonderful journey in those wow. few years that I worked with them, and, and we worked together. Um, and it's unfortunate that, you know, when management changes, everything changes, right? Sure. So. Um, but it was, it was such a joy. And we, so we do have, uh, schools around the world that are incorporating these ideas as well. Right. And understanding, you know, your children have these same basic needs. Yes. And, and yeah, it's so true. It's like you're being a leader either in your family or at work. Um, mm -hmm. and you're right when management changes, Things change. The way things were done yeah. might have changed. So it, it's that check-in again. Who do I want to be as a leader in my workspace, as a leader in my life, as a leader in my family? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That requires yeah. a lot of who consciousness. Did, yeah, and it's it, and it comes down to who you really want to be as a person. Mm. Because, you see, we're born um, innocent, so to speak. Mm. Children naturally explore. They're naturally creative. They naturally ask questions. Yes. And somewhere along the way, we start to tell them what's right or wrong. We start to put them in a mold, so right. to speak. And so then we spend many adult years unlearning. Yes. 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 Some Isn't that stuff. the truth? I, I've heard yeah. that before, that what happens in our childhood, you know, our adult, we're given our adulthood to basically figure that out. That's the piece that makes us who, who we are. So... I, th I guess in some way it's a, it's a grateful for whatever experience you've been given because it's context for your exactly. particular adult education, really. Exactly. You know. Exactly. Yeah. Never regret where you've been. No. And look forward to where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. I, yeah. I want to circle back around just for a moment with respect to good, high-quality conversations. You know, you, said, you talked about the importance of that. And I know you share on your website um, that you had a, a brother die of leukemia when you were around yes. 10 years old. Mm -hmm. mm. And you said your parents taught you an important lesson. Talking about things was good. You know, why, why is it so hard for us to have difficult conversations um, or, you know, what, what is the importance of having those high quality conversations? I, I think, I think in terms of, I think that again, that's where trust comes from. Mm. Having the conversation. Right? Yeah. If you're being told the truth mm. and you're, you know, and you're respected enough to be told the truth, nothing's hidden from you, then it helps you be more trustful. I assume in this particular case, your parents were truthful with you about your, your, your brother's diagnosis. Right, or right from the beginning, right, right from okay. the beginning. Mm. Um, you know, he, I, I remember it vividly because it was six months from the time they were told till the time he died. Wow. So it was a whirlwind. And in those days, there wasn't anything they could do but give blood transfusions. Right. So it's not like today. You know, uh, a lot of the research that went on at, at that time with him and with my parents um, helped to, to come up with some of the treatments that they have today. So, yes. you know, it's it's uh, but they were very truthful right from the beginning. They mm -hmm. told me I was only 10 or nine when I found out, I guess. And, but they told me right up front that he was very, very sick and he wasn't going to live very long. Oh, wow. And uh, so I, I but as a 10 year old. 
I didn't have the emotion of the adults. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Children just don't have that the emotion that adults have because we haven't lived as long. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we can take things in probably a little easier if it's done right, right. if it's done gently. Right. It's true. And I think that's such an important aspect. Um, so many people don't want to be truthful with kids around difficult things. And, you know, you can hear your appreciation for your parents around defining the reality. Yeah. Um, and, and that, well, I mean, it's, it's like teaching your kids about where babies come from. Hmm. You know, something as simple as that. Right. Tell them the truth. They just want to know how something works. Right. You know, they'll probably go, eh. But they just want to know how something works. <laughs> They're like, why did I ask? <laughs> yeah. It's so true. Yeah. yeah. That, that's such an important piece because I think, you know, I, I appreciate good, high-quality conversations too. And you're right, trust is a big piece of, of that. If you're confiding in people or trying to work something out, that people are going to hold that space for you to work it out and not judge it or um, exactly. not react to it. Yeah. yeah. That's, you brought up a good, big, a huge point there, Dana. It's the... Lack of judgment. Yeah. If we could judge less and love more, we'd be a much happier society. Wouldn't we? Yeah. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I appreciate about you, Maureen, and we chatted about this a little bit before we started, is that I remember meeting you ages ago and you don't remember the conversation, but I just remember you sort of saying in passing that I'm now getting to do all the things that I want to do. And that the impression I have of you, you, you're involved in everything. You're always learning, signing up for courses. Um, you know, I said, I met you through Toastmasters. I met you again through coaching, (laughs) you know, you're pop up everywhere. And, um, but you call yourself a seniorpreneur. And, you know, do you finally feel like you're on a, a professional path that you love or, or, or how, how do you make sense of all the things that you've done in your life? <laughs> That's a loaded question. <laughs> Isn't it always? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I, laughing right out loud, I'm always transforming, yeah. I think. Why is that, do you think? Because not, not everybody, you, you could retire. <laughs> Go off. Yeah, knit. I am. I am retired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should say that you're retired as a re- registered nurse, but you haven't really retired. No, I've continued to learn and grow. Yeah, and I continue to work with people, and I think it just comes from the love of helping others and the love of working with people, mm. and also personal empowerment. Because I spent a long time, maybe 23, 24, 25, 26, you know, I spent probably the first almost 40 years of my life um, doing things that other people wanted me to do. Mm. Okay? Mm -hmm. So as I became, as I learned more and became more empowered, and I started to allow myself to have those pictures and to go after the pictures I had in my head of what I wanted, Mm. um, then I got excited. Right. And now, at this stage of my life, a senior printer, I coined that phrase because I'm in the senior category. And I want people to know that life doesn't start stop because you get older. Mm. And it's just like the 90-year-old lady said in the newspaper that I read the other day, I'm 90 years old. It doesn't mean I want to die. I still have living to do. Mm. I have things I want to see, places I want to go. Don't discount me. Right. You know, so I think that I, I just coined the phrase because I felt confident and purposeful in being able to share that as a senior printer, we still have lots to give to the world. Mm, absolutely. Do you, do you feel like your most authentic self? Yeah. Most authentic that I've been in forever. Mm. When did you begin to really step into that, do you think? I started stepping into it once I learned choice theory. Which was in the 80s? Yep. Yeah. I started stepping into it. Baby steps. (laughs) Let me emphasize Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Because I'm still learning. (laughs) Yes. As we all are. Yeah. 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 No, it's baby steps. And it's, it's... you know, empowering yourself and, and you, you know, you want to meet your own needs and you want to go after your quality world pictures and you want personal empowerment, but you want to do all this without infringing on the rights and needs of the others in your world. 
Mm. And that's a dance. <laughs> so say more about that, because I'm hearing that, you know, do, how does, you know, living your authentic life impact other people? Or is that because I know that can rub people the wrong way as people rise and and live their dreams. Um, yes, I guess and, why are we concerned and, about what? Well, who, I had this rubbing conversation up with the other a young people. woman the other day, <laughs> and then she was telling me about the growth and the changes that she has gone through. And the difficulty she's having with some of her friends not accepting her. Right. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. When we grow and change, the people around you change. Right. Because you're not the same person. And they're not able to treat you the same way or be with you in the same way that they once were. So unless the people around you grow and change with you, the people will change. Mm-hmm. The, the actual people will change. change out. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And uh, that's just, that's, that's something that you learn kind of the hard way. Mm. Um, And, you know, again, there's nothing you can do about that. You can stay in the status quo and never grow. Right. Or you can grow and allow the change to come in. Mm. Which is hard to do. But it it is what's required in order to live your most authentic life. Life. It is. Mm-hmm. You know, if you believe that we're all here for a purpose, right. are you living into that? Yes. You know, and to do that, sometimes it does influence others. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. it does change who you're with. It it can be hurtful sometimes. Yeah. Um, as much as you don't want it to be. Right. Because um, talk about where control comes into play. If you're starting to grow and change then you may start to receive some of that control back. You know, people trying, not wanting you to grow because it serves their needs because they want to stay the same because everything was great and happy and now you're going off and growing. That's right. That's right? it. That's exactly it, Dana. Right. Yeah. And how does someone deal with that? So if you're not the one exerting the control, so you're mm-hmm. changing and growing and someone says, but, you know, you've changed or you're different or whatever. And, uh, you know, how, to stay the course... Well, uh, yeah. you know, you can either you can either stay the course or sometimes when that happens, you can say to this person, yeah, I have changed and I'm happier for it. Would you like to learn what I've learned? Yes. And grow with me yeah. and change with me, you know, and, some, and a lot of a high percentage of time that happens. People get excited because you're learning and they want to learn with you. Yes. Which is the exciting part. Yeah. They want to grow along with you. And you have those friends. And so you want to focus where your needs are being met. Yes. Yeah. Not where they're not being met. Mm. So true. Yeah. It's been a great conversation. Yeah. I've enjoyed it. I have a few rapid fire questions for you. (laughs) Want to play? (laughs) (laughs) What do you think your superpower is? Wow. I think my superpower is to be able to go inside and focus on what it is that I need and want for myself Mm. and where I can help others. Mm. I think that's it. What do you most love about the work that you do right now? I love seeing people's eyes light up. I love seeing them change their life. Mm. and become happier. Mm. What does the world need right now? Kindness. Mm. And I said you're always involved in many things, learning and growing. What's next for you, Maureen? I'm probably going to be um, starting an online coaching program. Um and I, it sounds tentative, but no, it's it's coming. It's just in the creation phase. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. And what's the best way for people to get in contact with you? Is it through your website? Or through they can. Media? I'll tell you what. Let's offer them a little freebie. Awesome. Um, they can go to www.musingsbymo.com. They can get a copy of my ebook, Musings by Mo, mm-hmm. or they can get it at Amazon. Uh, a a regular book but this book musings by mo uh, will have some of what we talked about today it's mostly 
90 little snippets of becoming more aware, mm-hmm. about becoming more aware. Mm. And that way they'll be on my mailing list. They'll get into my into my mailing list and they can ups- unsubscribe at any time. And they'll what always know what there. you're up to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they can always reach me through that website or through monkeyandrealitytherapy.ca. So. Awesome. I thought I would end the conversation with your tagline from your business, Moncton Reality Therapy. And your tagline says, it's creating a world where people experience happy relationships. And I mm-hmm. think that's what you did here today. Shed light on how people can experience a happy relationship with themselves and with other people. I hope so, Dana. Hmm. Thank you yeah. for the conversation, Maureen. It was Thank you. great. Thank you so much. That was such a great conversation. If you loved it too, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Please go to iTunes to rate and review this podcast. And if you want to continue the conversation, connect with Soul Sister Conversations on the Facebook and Instagram pages. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Dana Lloyd Leadership, on Twitter at Coach Dana underscore Lloyd, and of course on LinkedIn. See you next week.